Sister Barb's got some guests tonight. We're glad to have them here. Amen. We see a couple of friends in the back there. Glad to have them here. I think they're all the way from Newcastle. Is that correct? Winchester, that's it. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, welcome to God's country. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Sister Carmela and the praise singers for leading us in worship tonight. If you have your Bibles and would turn with me tonight, we're going to study the scripture. And someone say Bible study is always good. Amen. Truthfully, I uh, got just as excited about Bible study as I did about Sunday morning or Sunday night. And, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, we will turn to this passage of Scripture. I want to talk to you about strongholds, and we're going to read from chapter 10 of the book of 2 Corinthians, and we'll begin reading from verse 1. If you'd like to stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 1. Begins, now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in presence am base among you, but being absent and bold toward you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with that confidence, wherewith I think to be bold against some which think of us as if we walked according to the flesh." For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. Verse 5 says, casting down imaginations. Everyone say imaginations. Does everyone know what the word imaginations means? The definition of imaginations, you imagine something, whether it's real or fake, you imagine. It's, and every high thing or proud thing, let's say it like that, every proud thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringeth into captivity... Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. Verse 7, do ye look on the things after the outward appearance? If any man trusts to himself that he is Christ, let him think of himself, think this again. Let him of himself think this again, 
that as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. Breaking free of strongholds is probably one of the most important things that you can do as a believer. Coming to the Lord and repenting of your sins and being baptized and receiving the infilling of the Holy Ghost is a wonderful thing. But I would say it's perhaps the easiest thing for you to do in coming to the Lord. It's the initial entrance into the kingdom. It's the door, if you will. It's going inside of the kingdom of God. It's the the pathway to the beginning. But living for God is a constant, vigilant, pressing forward and reducing and eliminating problems that keep us back. And here, Paul, in writing to the Corinthian church in this second epistle or letter to Corinthians, to the church there, he says in verse 3, though that we live and walk in the flesh, we're in the flesh, we speak, we bathe our bodies, we comb our hair, we take care of ourselves, that's what it means to walk in the flesh. Though we are in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We do not use the carnal or the temporal means to fight this spiritual battle. And this is very important that we note this distinctive. Believers are known because they have love one toward another. Jesus said, by this shall all men, the world, know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. So using temporal or means of the flesh to battle one another is um, what you would do if you, when you were pre or BC before Christ. Let me say it like that. But now we have a spiritual father and now we are born again. And so we have a new code of conduct. Jesus said it like this. He said, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. In other words, you poke up my eye, I get to poke out your eye. You break my tooth by hitting me, I'm going to break your tooth by hitting you back. But he said, I give you a new commandment. A new commandment is to love one another. Now, I'm going to show you some things here in this passage of Scripture in breaking down strongholds. And we're just going to get really into the nitty-gritty and depth of this and not gloss over it or not pass over it quickly. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, and we've just explained that to you, but mighty through God. How do we overcome and bring down these strongholds. They're mighty through God. You see, before you can conquer anything else, you've got to conquer numero uno here, number one. Amen? You've often heard it said, you point at somebody, you've got three fingers pointing back. And so you've got a lot to conquer yourself. Amen? He says, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Strongholds don't normally come down in just one fell swoop. 
They come down brick by brick as you tear them apart. I've, I've been on several um, demolition jobs. Uh, church bought a piece of property and it had an old run-down house on it. And uh, we, uh, several men in the church, we brought our sledgehammers and crowbars and so forth. And we started tearing apart, you know, tearing from the roof down. And piece by piece, that house came down. That's how strongholds are broken. And you didn't just do it willy-nilly. I mean, you could. People were in the house and there could have been some uh, hurt and, and um, injuries. So you had to be careful how you did it when you destroyed something that was built, a stronghold that had, been, that had taken perhaps months to put together, maybe even years because there were succeeding projects of add-on and additions to that piece of property. Now, I'm going to say it to you like this. Sometimes you get things in your life and you build around them and then you build other additions around that addition. And then have you ever seen a rambling house where there was no rhyme or reason why they had a lean-to here and a lean-to there and a lean-to over here. And there was no engineering plan. There was no blueprints. It's just somebody said, hey, this looks like a good place to put an additional room. And so there wasn't, they didn't go down to the city and get uh, uh, approval. They just threw up a lean-to on that house. Sometimes we as believers are like that. We start building things to protect ourselves and they become strongholds. Then he said, verse 5, which is a very important verse of Scripture for us, he said, casting down. What do you think of when you think of the word casting? Casting. You know, you throw something. You don't just nonchalantly just throw it out there. You, you have specific design in what you're doing. You, you cast it. I was at the water the other day, and I learned to do this when I was a boy, and it's a fun thing to do. I could spend a lot of time doing it. But how many has ever skipped a stone? And, you know, skipping stones, some of you need to do that now in your life. Skipping stones is very therapeutic. Can I say that? Skipping stones is very therapeutic. And so we had this little contest, and, and my daughter uh, and I, we were judging one another and I said I can get a dozen skips out of this stone and she said oh no and and so I, I threw the rock you know just right and and it, it it started skipping and then you notice at the end it starts making a bunch of skips very close together because it's losing elevation but it still has enough and she said that was only seven I said no that was about eight or ten look look and so she said no it wasn't I said you watch again and you count all the little ripples and so I, I threw it again, and I said, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six. And I said, it gets very fast at the end. And, and it was very therapeutic. Some of you need to go and skip some stones in your life. Eh, that's a basic little instruction, and maybe that's a, a good piece of homework for you. Amen. How many, has ever, uh, yeah, how many can skip? Can anybody skip in here? Can you skip? Some of you people haven't skipped in a long time. <laughs> Amen. Or shouted. I can skip and shout at the same time. 
Amen. We're talking about bringing down strongholds. You say, Pastor, what's skipping and stones got to do with breaking down strongholds? It's getting out of that little conformity in that area that you have protected for so long and allow the Spirit of God to bring it down. And he said, casting, casting down, throwing down strongholds or imaginations. Oh, this is a good one here because how many's ever imagined someone was mad at you or didn't like you or you imagined and you went the whole day imagining that they didn't like you and, and if they don't like you, I'm not going to like them. And, and you now some of you are looking at one another. Maybe you're looking at yourself. <laughs> but he said, casting down imaginations and every proud, somebody say proud. That word proud or high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. Pride is the very thing that caused Lucifer to be thrust out of heaven. Pride is a very deceitful and a, a very uh, cunning thing that can attach itself to our life. You know, David, he thought he was a pretty humble king. You know, I, I don't do this. And you, we start justifying. You know, just self-justification is the first step toward a rep reprobate mind. When you start, well, I don't do this. And I don't do that. and I'm not like this person over here or that person over there. And we start justifying ourselves. Are you listening to me tonight? Amen. And, and every high thing that it exalted itself in the not against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity. And this is wonderful because uh, this is the only portion of Scripture that tells us to bring something into captivity. Your own self, not somebody else. Not the person down the street or, or the person in the pew next to you. Bring your own self into self-control. Ever bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, the scripture does say that vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I mean, how many has ever read that verse of scripture? In other words, you do not have the right to revenge. That's the Lord's prerogative. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. But you do have one, there is one position in place that you can have revenge and that's if your thoughts get out of line. Uh, I, I've said this before, and, and uh, there were, I, I remember hearing uh, all, all this one sister, Sadie, and I, I've referred to this before, but it's, it bears telling again. And she would, uh, one of these old, how many remembers the old-fashioned testimony services that we used to have? And, uh, and she would get up and testify about going out and knocking doors. And she did this of her own accord. This wasn't something that the church organized. She was just going to knock doors and invite people to church. And, and uh, she, uh, some Saturdays she would get where she wanted to sleep in. But she said, I grabbed myself by the nap of the neck. And, and her name was Sadie. And she said, talking to herself in the first person, she said, Sadie, you snap out of it. 
as she said, I said to Sadie, snap out of it. We're going to go and knock some doors so you just quit pouting like you want to lay in all day. I never forgot that. You know. And some of us need to grab ourselves by the nap of the neck and say to yourself, snap out of it. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Verse 6, and having a readiness to revenge all disobedience. How do you revenge all disobedience in your own mind? So, well, I guess I'm going to need to pray some more. Amen? I, need, I guess I'm going to need to read the Word of God some more. Amen. Bringing yourself into captivity, bringing yourself into line, allowing, stop allowing yourself, your thoughts, your, the way you conduct your, your thoughts, allowing it to run away with itself. Pull on the reins of that horse and stop it right where it is and say, hey, listen, you're not going to think just every thought that you want to think. Bringing into captivity what every thought to the obedience of Christ, having it in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when you're obedience is fulfilled you know this is wonderful because some of us find ourselves in strongholds we don't know how to get ourselves out but it starts right up here amen allowing your thoughts to get carried away you know i would say that the evil one satan he he tempts but he gets a lot of blame and he'll take the blame because he wants to be glorified but most of the time, it's us, and then he comes along and sees that you started a stronghold, and he adds to it. He gives you some bricks to build a little bit more. Amen? Some examples I'm going to give to you tonight about strongholds, and uh, we, we start these in our lives, but then demonic dep- uh, oppression comes along and sustains them. Uh, this is only a partial... Uh, list bitterness resentment hate these strongholds unforgiveness <coughs> oh excuse me i was supposed to cough into my elbow <laughs> it's 59 years of habit i'm sorry <laughs> anger violence and revenge Bitterness. These are strongholds that we, we allow ourselves to get into and then they become a, a, build, a, a building that is out of control in our lives. Amen. Heaviness. Here's another stronghold. Heaviness. Depression. Despair. Uh-oh. Self-pity. Loneliness, addictions, suicidal thoughts, heaviness. I, I remember a pastor is a senior pastor and pastored for many years, and uh, someone cornered him out in the vestibule or the hall, wherever he was, and, and they, they just said, Pastor, I just can't deal with it. I can't deal with life anymore. I can't deal with life. And they were just wringing their hands, and things were just... Um, too much for them. Well, he didn't make light of their issues or the situation in their life. He just stood and listened for a while. And he said, you know, I just came from the hospital and um, 
I'd like for you to go as uh, therapy. If you're going to receive my instruction and counsel, you're going to corner me in the hallway and want to unload on me, then this is what you've got to do. I want you to go down to the local hospital and uh, I believe, I forget what floor it was, a particular floor. He said, I want you to go and volunteer, sign up, do all the proper code procedures. And I want you to go down there and volunteer. I want you specifically to go to that ward that is called the burn ward. I want you to go and volunteer there. And then he said, come back after a month and talk to me. He said, you know, a month went by and I had forgotten all about it. You know, I got other issues and other problems, other situations to take care of. And he said, I was walking in the vestibule again, and I ran into this sister. And he said, oh, hey, uh, have you been uh, doing the therapy that I told you? He said, she said, you know, I decided once I got down to the hospital that I didn't have the problems that I thought I had. Those people in there have really have some problems. They have some issues and, and they're ongoing, maybe life-threatening. And I realized the little things that I, I, I thought there were mountains in my life turned out to be not that large. And so I've decided that I'm not going to focus on them, but I'm going to focus on the blessings that God has given to me. Somebody say amen. amen. Insecurity is another stronghold inferiority and inadequacy and timidity and shyness and pleasing people and not God, lack of trust and worry and wrong relationships. You know, all these traps that you can get caught up into. Amen. They, they build on these insecurities. Now, there is another type of stronghold. It's a control stronghold. It's manipulation, and you want to manipulate every movement, not of your own self, but others around you. And You have this striving. You have a lack of trust. There is a worry. There's a constant worry, and uh, there is an insensitivity uh, and a desire for recognition, this control. I want to control. I'm talking to you about strongholds that build up in our life not just overnight, but over a period of time. And if you're going to go forward in God, you're going to have to take down these strongholds brick by brick. And sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps back. But I promise you, if you put your hand in the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ, He will be victorious in your life. Somebody say amen. There's a stronghold of jealousy, spitefulness. Gossip, slander, betrayal, critical spirit, judgmental, suspicious in nature. You know, it takes a special gifting and calling to be a pastor. Uh, I mean, it just... This is not a business that you, this is not a business. It is, but it's not. We try to run our finances as a business. But people is not a business. I don't hire and fire people. I don't come in and say, you do this or you're out. Sometimes I might feel like it. <laughs> Amen. But you, you know, some people think that working at church is like building a shed. 
You know, you go down to Lowe's or Menards and you buy all the lumber and you buy all the, the right um, nails and screws and you, you go and you, you put it together. But you find in the church some of the lumber is crooked. <laughs> and and uh, you, I try to go to Menards and I, I go through the pile. Well, here it's been a little bit more serious because the pile is real small right now. And, and, and I try to find all those uh, pieces of wood that have fewer knots. Not, not less <laughs> or not no knots. I guess I can say it like that. You got my meaning anyhow. <laughs> and I, I try to find the, the pieces of wood that are less crooked. I, I went down there and they said, well, we got, it says here we've got 16 in inventory, but you better go back to the shed and count it and see what we got. So I went back there and they didn't have 16, they had six. <laughs> Something's wrong. And... Uh, some of those pieces of wood were as crooked as a dog's hind leg, I'll tell you. <laughs> I looked at them, and they were waving at me. I thought, well, I can't use that. But you know, you find that in the church of the living God that the wood, the people are not always straight. <laughs> and it's all those screws and nails are leftovers, you know. It's all that you pulled that fence apart or that... And you got all these nails and they're bent and they're crooked and they're rusty. And, you know, you find out that it's, you're not working with straight nails. You're, you're over there with your hammer pounding away trying to get that nail straight so you can reuse it. And so, therefore, you have to have a pastor's heart to say, okay, I'm going to try to work with this even though it's not the best. Because I truly want these people to go to heaven. You know, there are strongholds that you have to bring down to see the perspective as God sees the perspective. Well, idolatry as in found in Isaiah chapter 44 and frustration. Idolatry? Yeah, frustration, hopelessness. It becomes an idol in your life. Selfishness and greed and Financial problems, wrong goals and decisions, confusing, living a lie, pursuing dead ends. You know, you have to, you, you know, you need wisdom to look and see where is this going to go. I, I, I like to read maps. I really do. I can study maps for a long time. I like to know where I'm going. I know we, we've gotten into the habit. How many has gotten into the habit you use your phone for your map? Now, you've got that little GPS, which is a global positioning system that was first developed by the federal government for the military, and now it's used for everybody. And uh, I use Google Maps almost exclusively, and the other day I decided I was going to use Apple Maps. And uh, I got on a back trail. I was so aggravated. And uh, here I am winding around, uh, you know, I said, you know, I'm back to Google Maps, forget this. So I deleted it off my phone. But you know, there's nothing as good as a good old paper map sometimes. Amen. Pursuing dead ends. Some of you need to get the map out and look. Spiritual blindness, apathy. 
And it becomes an, distractions, these distractions in our life. Another form of strongholds is rebellion, self-will and stubbornness and strife and factions and divisions and anger and arguments and independent spirit and unteachable. Oh, this is good stuff for us tonight. Amen. Another stronghold is pride. This is probably the biggest stronghold and, and, uh, uh, that a lot of other strongholds come from. Vanity and self-righteousness and self-centered and insensitivity, materialism and unteachable and seeks positions. A stronghold of sexual impurity, lust, seductiveness, fornication, adultery, homosexuality and pornography. These are all strongholds that are built up in our lives. Rejection. Here's another stronghold. Have you ever been rejected? Maybe a teacher at school said something to you and you took it to heart. It wasn't a sin then, but you've built it up. And it beca- uh, uh, your, all, your whole life revolves around rejection. I'm talking to you about breaking down strongholds. People can do things to you. They can sin against you. And it it becomes a stronghold that becomes so binding in your life that you can't do anything. You you can't hardly turn around and every decision in your life is made because of that stronghold. If you could break, break that stronghold down, if you could cast down those imaginations and every thought and bring it into captivity so that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords in your life, you will see victory. I remember one, there was a one brother uh, that he couldn't seem to hold a job. He had a problem holding a job. It was always there, somebody else's fault. You know, they didn't like me. Uh, the boss didn't like me. You know, you, here, here's the thing about having a job. There is always going to be some type of conflict on a job. You know why? Does everyone know why? You're working with people. <laughs> And as one pastor said to me, he called to me one time, and he's all he, down in the dumps and the mole grubs, you know, and he's having some problems. He said, you know, this is a great job pastoring in the church. He said it would be even better if it wasn't for the people. <laughs> I said, well, get used to it, bro, because this is what we got. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, you know, there are no utopias anywhere. There is no perfect place, no perfect job, no perfect church. I've always said that there's, there's no perfect church because I can't go to that church because uh, I'm not perfect. Amen? There, 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 and so we had this brother, he, he would he'd get a good job and then he'd quit. And we'd say, well, what is it? Now, you know, somebody else. And I'd say, hey, listen, you need to break that stronghold in your life. Just be consistent. Just go to work. Even when you don't feel like it. And even when there, you know, there's opposition. And even, even when you just go to work. Amen? Is this good tonight? Amen. I know it is. Amen. <laughs> Rejection. Addictions and compulsions and seeking acceptance and unworthiness. Deceit. Lying. Fantasies. Delusions. Rationalizing. Wrong doctrine, misuse of scripture. You know, I have seen this misuse of scripture. People twist and, and put the scripture under duress to say it, make it say something that God was not intending it to say. 
Amen? Fear, phobias, compulsions, perfectionism, failure, inability to set goals. You know, you're gonna, if you're going to ha- have any prosperity and success in your life, you have to set some goals. You have to just determine this is what's going to happen. I, I, I'm, I'm going to, to go someplace. I'm going to do something with my life. You know, uh, someone said, well, you know, uh, Christian and Christians shouldn't talk about success. Well, why can't you talk about success? I'm not talking about trying to be a billionaire. I'm tra- talking about being successful in life so that you can accomplish something for the kingdom of God. I can't accomplish anything for the kingdom of God if I don't have a car and if I'm broken and I can't put two nickels together. Amen? I'm not saying my bank account's loaded. It's got $43 in it right now. (laughs) Amen? But I'm saying that you have to go forward with God. You have to believe that God is, wants you to be successful. God doesn't get any glory out of you standing on the corner begging. And I'm not throwing off on those people. I'm just saying that God doesn't get any blessing out of you doing that. If you have to do that, then by all means you need to do it. But if, if you would see some goals how God can bless you and bring you out of that. Amen. Set your feet on a higher plane. I think one of the most important things and reasons why we have strongholds in our life is because of unconfessed sin. Unconfessed sin. You know, but uh, the biblical uh, story is that there's no sin in your life that is so great that the cross of Jesus Christ isn't greater. But sin mixed with pride. Hold your breath there, Brother Nolan. At least that's a trick. I don't know if it'll work. (laughs) He's got the hiccups. (laughs) All eyes are on Brother Nolan. His face is turning red. (laughs) You know, uh, uh, sin mixed with pride is a deadly combination. Because when sin happens in your life, then a lot of times, uh, you know, I had a, 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 someone that I was working with that was an adult that did not know how to read. And I encouraged them to learn to read. And they said, finally, after much encouragement, they said, you know, the biggest hurdle for me learning to read is not just learning my alphabet. It's overcoming the pride that here I am, 45 years of age, and I don't know how to read, and I'm reading along, and someone that is younger than me is helping me to read, and they're correcting my, uh, my pronunciation. And, I, and that really hurts my pride. And I said, right there is the key. If you can overcome your pride, you will be able to learn to read. If you will overcome your pride, let me say it like this, you will tear down the strongholds. How many's ever pouted? Everybody should raise their hand. <laughs> How many? <laughs> I won't go there. But you know, how, how many's ever, repa- ever pouted in a relationship? 
So you're not going to talk to the other person that you're married to or you're in relationship with. And so you've decided you're going to, they are not worthy of your conversation. So you deem them, uh, they are down here and worthy of only silent treatment. Pouting. You know, pouting becomes a stronghold in your life. Is this good or not? This is, you know, pouting becomes a, a something because it controls you then. And Satan sees what you're doing. Amen. Unconfessed sin. You know, the first thing to do uh, uh, is to say, I'm sorry. Some people have a very difficult time saying, I'm sorry. And forgive me. But that's a very powerful thing if you can say, I'm sorry, and even better if you can say, forgive me. Sorry means that I, I shouldn't have done that, you know. I, I'm stepping on your toes, Brother Nolan, since you're on the focus, you're, you know, hey. So, you know, if I step on your toe and I could say, oh, sorry, and I can come back, but, oh, sorry, <laughs> and walk by again, oh, sorry. Yeah, that's all sorry does. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> Sorry. But forgiveness means I'm not going to do it again. And when I say, oh, forgive me, please forgive me, means something completely different than sorry. Anybody can say sorry. Oh, sorry. But forgive me is a different language. Forgive. Forgive. Everybody say forgive. The first thing to breaking down a stronghold in your life is to ask for forgiveness. First of all, not from any person, but from God. Because Joseph said, how can I do this thing and sin against God? Because your attitude keeps God's spirit from working in your life. A pouting. I've seen people come to church and they're pouting. And I go up to him, I say, hey, is everything okay, you know? Well, you know, someone some on the job said some, something to me. And I said, well, are they here? Are they here now? They said, no. I said, well, why are you pouting now? It's just us. <laughs> I'm your brother. There are sisters and brothers here. God's here. It's time to worship and praise God, not hold something against somebody that's not even here. I haven't done anything to you. God's not ever done anything but good to you. So why are you pouting? You're hindering the Spirit of God from working in your life. Then this is good preaching. And if you'll get this, you'll go far in your life. Amen. See bad people back there got their arms folded. And they're mad. I've asked them, what you mad about? Well... I said, well, did it happen here? No. Well, <laughs> why are you mad at us? <laughs> Amen. Why are you mad at God? You came here tonight or that particular time. You came to worship the Lord, didn't you? Is that why you came? I hope so. Because that's why I came is to worship the Lord. You see, we hinder God's spirit from moving in our lives. 
I'm not trying to put anyone under guilt. I'm just trying to say that you're hindering God's spirit. And when you build that stronghold in your life, it hinders the presence of God. And God might have wanted to use you to minister to somebody else, but he can't use you because all you can think about is what happened on the job or at your home or wherever it happened. Amen. So unconfessed sin in your life is probably the worst thing that you can do in that allowing pride. You know, what to do, I'll give you the what to do, is confess any and all known active sin in your life and repent. Repent. How many was in the military in here? Anybody? Now, uh, see, Brother Corman, you were in the Navy, right? And Brother Henwood, you're, you're in the Navy, right? And and Brother Shelby, he was in the Navy, and we got an airman here. And we have anybody that marched around on the land? <laughs> hey, those, that, those army fellows, they, they seem to like to do a bunch of um, prey maneuvers, you know. Left, right, left, right, left, right. I had a good home, but I left. <laughs> you know, Amen. But uh, it, it's not used now. But the Roman army, that Latin word repentare, which means about face. And it's really, it's a nonsensical movement when you're in the battlefield, you know. But on, on the, in a parade maneuver, you can march a whole group of men up to a barrier and then whoever's calling cadence out says about face. Or in the Roman army, they would say, repent there. That means stop going the direction that you were going and go the direction that you were leaving. When you repent, you stop doing what you were doing and start doing what God wants you to do. That's repentance. There is a change in your life. You change the direction that you're going. If you were a liar, you stopped lying because you've repented. If you were a thief, you stopped stealing because you have repented. You become honest. That's what the power of repentance does in your life. Repent, confess all known act of sin. Let that repentance take hold of your life. It will tear down any stronghold. It breaks those chains, those iron chains even if they're hardened, shatters them. I remember I was in high school in shop class, and, and the, it's very interesting. The teacher had us take a piece of metal, and we were to make a chisel out of it, and then, and then he heated it. There was a, a kiln there and a furnace, and we heated up this piece of metal, and then he had several types of liquid. He had water, he had uh, oil, and he had, um, I forget all the different types. And uh, he said, dipping it in each of these liquids, each of these liquids has a different boiling temperature and a difference in cooling. And it hardens the steel at a different rate. He said, taking a piece of iron 
or steel that's red hot and dipping it into water will make it hard, but it makes it brittle. It makes it where if you use that, uh, that chisel and hit it with a hammer, it has the tendency to splinter, to shatter. Why? Because it's, yes, it is very hard, but it's very brittle. He said, now, dipping it in oil is going to cool it down, and it might even catch the oil on fire, but he said it slows down the rate of cooling, and it becomes hard, but it's not brittle, and you can use it. You see, the power of God's Spirit comes into your life. And, you know, you can allow the world to take things out of your life, but God's Spirit does it at a rate that doesn't make your life brittle and hard. It makes it pliable. That's what God wants to do. He wants your life to be pliable so He can shape you and mold you into His image. Somebody say amen. So the more specific you are in your prayers and your confession and laying out raw detail, amen, don't gloss over, you know, don't, don't try to fake God out. Come on. I, I, know, I know people that they're going to try to gloss over and, and really and, and not tell God what really went on as if he didn't already know. And really, it becomes a lying to yourself. And you're, that, there, that pride is, again, I'm not as bad as you might think I am. Another thing, if you've been involved in any occult activity. Some of you may have participated in Wicca, fortune-telling, black or white magic, spiritism or conjuring spirits, even yoga have this effect on you. Depending on who your focus is on when you're meditating. It's like placing a vacancy sign on your life for evil spirits. Amen. That's why he said bind, bring, bring your thoughts into cap- captivity. In other words, don't let your you don't just think about anything in your life. Amen. Bring it into captivity. My life is not vacant. It's filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not allowed, yes, uh, I say that, I'm not allowed to think certain thoughts. They say, well, you know, what uh, thoughts come to my head, you know, just like birds fly over my head. That doesn't mean I'll allow the bird to get land on my head and build a nest there. Just because a thought enters your mind don't, doesn't mean you allow like that bird to stay there and build a stronghold. It passes through and you tell it to keep on going. Amen. That's a good way to think. If you've knowingly or unknowingly dabbled in any occult-like practices in your past, you, you shouldn't. You know, this is forbidden. This is forbidden in the Scripture, you dabbling in the occult. Why is it so forbidden? Because it opens you up to things that you have no control over. We have a, a wonderful... A loving father who protects us and guides us. When you take yourself out of his hand and you start dabbling in evil and occultic things, then you are on your own, as I've just said. It's like putting a vacancy sign on you and saying, well, I'm open to any thought or any feelings. No, I'm not. Amen. I'm open to the Holy Spirit and him only. 
So you renounce any commitments or oaths you've made to groups or spirits. Declare your allegiance to Jesus Christ alone. You know, you have to be exclusive in this. You have to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and strength. I'm, I'm telling you that Jesus gave power to his disciples to cast out evil spirits. And they left and they cast out spirits and, and the spirits left those people. And they came back to Jesus and they were joyful and said, Woo, man, we got power. We spoke to the demons and they left. You know what Jesus said to them? He said, don't get so excited about that. But get excited that your name is written down in, in glory. Your name is written down in the book of life. He's, what he is really saying is there is so, many, so much you don't know about the realm of the spirit. Don't get so excited about that. You don't know very much about that anyhow. But get excited that your name is written down in glory. Amen. And that's what I'm excited about. God. Lies you have believed. Here's another something. These include lies about God, about yourself, lies about how God sees you, lies that the enemy has been playing over and over in your mind for years, which in your pain you've unfortunately brought into being. What lies have you believed? I've had people say, oh, pastor, I could never be saved. And I said, why? Why? What have you done that's so horrible that, you, that God won't forgive you? Why? Tell me why. Well, I've done this. You know, I said, well, I, I think I can find a position in the scripture where other people have done something similar. And we have a loving God that will forgive you. Don't believe that lie. That's a lie from the devil. God forgives. And another thing, he forgets. Amen. We're talking about casting. When you ask God to forgive you of something and God buries it. There's one thing that God cannot do. He cannot remember your sin once he's forgiven you of that sin. In other words, he never holds it against you. Never. Once you're forgiven, that's forgiven. Don't get out your spiritual rod and reel and start casting in the sea of forgetfulness and trying to remind God. You know, I've had people say, well, you know, Pastor, I did something 25 years ago and I talked to the Lord about it all the time. I said, well, did you ask for forgiveness? Yes, I've asked for forgiveness. I said, well, quit reminding God of something that he already forgave you of. You know, being like a relationship, a human relationship, you know, my son and I... And I'd go up to him every day, oh, forgive me, when you were 12 years old, you know, I wasn't such a great dad. Come back later, oh, forgive me when you were 12 years old, I wasn't such a great dad. After a while, he's going to say, all right already, all right already, I've forgiven you. Let's move on. <laughs> Amen? We need to move on in our spiritual life with God. If God has forgiven you, he has forgiven you. It's done, it's buried, it's under the blood of Jesus Christ. Stop dredging it back up. <laughs> Some people dredge it back up and they clean it off and say, well, yeah, I remember that. And they get all these tears and they get all melancholy. You know, you need to stop doing that. 
reminding as Paul said, you know, there's, he's only went to the cross once. He's not going to the cross again just because you've dredged it back up and you want to remind him again of what you've done. He already put that under the blood and he's not going back to the cross to forgive you something that he's already forgiven you of. You're forgiven and you're forgiven and you're forgiven. It's over. Move on in Jesus Christ. Now you need to ask God to heal your mind so that you stop remembering it. There's the key right there. When you think to yourself, I need to ask for forgiveness, that's when you need to take control with vengeance and say, hey, wait a minute. I already asked the Lord to forgive me of that. I'm not going back to the throne of grace to ask Him to forgive me again. Now, this is good because so many people struggle with things that they have done in their past and they keep reminding the Lord. You need to stop reminding the Lord. If you have asked the Lord to forgive you, it is done. He has forgiven you. Amen. It's done. I had one individual in the church who wanted to get up and testify when we uh, used to have testimonies and now... And they wanted to testify. Well, I remember when I was so this. I went to him after service, you know. I said, don't testify like that again. Well, I was trying to tell where the Lord brought me from. I said, no, you weren't. You were dredging something up. There's a new man walking my shoes, you know. The, the Bible says in this same book in 2 Corinthians that old things have passed away and behold, all things have become new. It's, it's gone. You can't pull it back. Reject the lies that the devil has tried to whisper into your, your heart and your ear about your, your self-worth or the Lord's love for you. Here's a big one. Unforgiveness. If you're still nursing bitterness against some people or someone... The enemy will take advantage of that and keep you in bondage. The people who wounded you may not deserve to be forgiven. <laughs> Did I say that? Yeah. They may not even deserve it. And you know they don't deserve it. <laughs> and perhaps you've thought some very bad things about them. If I had that opportunity. Oh, me. But we forgive because Jesus Christ forgave us for an even greater sin against God. Amen. You know, I like that saying. I saw a church at one time. They had a huge pile of rocks out front. It was kind of unsightly. You know, the church was a beautiful building and this huge, big old pile of rocks right out in the front. And at the top of that pile of rocks, it had a sign that said, He that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. <laughs> so, in other words, we got a pile of rocks waiting for you. It's right out front. What to do? Forgive, forgive, forgive. Seventy times, seven times, if needed be. How many times is that? That's 490 times in one day. In one day, seven times 70. That's 490 times in one day. How many? 490 divided by 24 hours. Anybody, can you figure that real quick? 24 hours 
490 goes into 24 hours how many times? I think it's, is that a 20.4? So that's how many minutes between each. Let's figure that out, Brother Connor. How many minutes between each forgiveness? <laughs> now we're getting serious now. We're, we're, we're getting the facts now, the numbers. <laughs> we're just going to wait for Brother Connor. 2.9? I just said it almost three minutes ago. Forgive me. Three minutes later. Forgive me. <laughs> three minutes later. He said, it sounds like a broken record. And the Lord said, if need be, that's how many times in one day, one 24-hour period. Now, we count hours as 24 hours. But in, in Hebrew, in Jesus' time, a day was sun up to sun down. If it was, for instance, if it was 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., that was a day. The day ended at 6 p.m. Our day ends at 12 midnight. And Jesus is saying, seven, in between 6 a.m. and 6 p.m., seven times 70. 490 times in 12 hours. Not 24. Forgive, 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 forgive. Well, you know... Some time ago, I had a little altercation with another pastor. And uh, the altercation was, uh, he, I did something he did not appreciate. So he called me up and chewed me out. Well, confession is good for the soul, so I'm confessing. And, well, you know what? My pride got hurt real bad. Real bad. And you know what my first words... Doesn't he know who I am? <laughs> like you haven't said it too. <laughs> and so my pri uh, uh, then I started building a barrier. And there was another man that was trying to intervene, but I couldn't, I couldn't receive his calls. I couldn't, re I couldn't even talk to him because I had been offended. It took the Holy Spirit, Brother Darrell. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know, you get up and preach. I said, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you know what I did? I called the brother first that was trying to make amends. And I called him and said, well, brother, Forgive me for not receiving your phone calls and forgive me for not answering. My pride got hurt. Amen? I said, I'll make it right. Amen. That's how it works. Amen. Now, let me say this. You can, you can go on in spirituality, you can go on as a believer. You can do all the things that believers do, but still have that offended stronghold in your life. And so there comes a time and point and place when that stronghold will overpower you and bring you down.
It's like I, I picked some rocks, uh, uh, rather some little uh, trees that were, had started growing in the cracks of my sidewalk. I plucked one out, and I thought, you know, if I let that little tree stay there, one day it will break up this concrete. It will heave it up and break it. And I looked, and that concrete is six inches thick. It would take me with a sledgehammer some doing to break that concrete. But, the, you know, uh, over a period of time as that tree begins to grow and those roots get stronger and stronger, over years it's going to push that concrete up and it will crack it to nothing. It'll be gravel. You give it enough time. And that's what happens when strongholds grow in our life. They grow and they grow and they push around the things that God would want to, us to be. That God wants us to grow into. Come on somebody. And you, want, you say, God, I want to I grow. I want to improve. I want to be blessed. I want to bless others. But you've got to bring down some strongholds before God will ever let you be used to the point that you could be used. Here's the last point that I'm going to make tonight before we come to a conclusion or close. Hereditary or in your lineage. You may have picked up on the fact that certain unhealthy behavioral and thought patterns present in your life was also present in your father, your mother's life. And then his father and goes on back. And so sometimes unhealthy, even ungodly family traditions family patterns is passed down from generation to generation until someone stands up and says in Jesus name no more Amen. you say well my granddad was an alcoholic my dad was an alcoholic I guess I have to be an alcoholic no no I'm telling you you can break the cycle amen and now you can say my granddad's a believer, my dad's a believer, and I'm a believer. Amen. See, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever you sow, that shall you also reap. And we often refer to that in a negative sense, but I'm talking to you in a positive sense. If you'll sow good things in your life, good things will happen. God will bless you. You know why I come to church every time the doors are open to, to worship? It's because I know good things are going to happen. Uh, you know, I, I, my wife is an awesome cook, and, and she doesn't make breakfast all the time, but when she does, sometimes she'll say, would you like pancakes? And I'll say, yeah, yeah, that's great. And, and the, the dinners are always amazing. But even if it's, sometimes it's a cereal night, or if it's, she'll say, well, we've been worked hard all day, can we just have grilled cheese? <laughs> i say, yeah, grilled cheese sounds great. And you say, well, it was just a grilled cheese. You know what? It was another meal. It was a meal to sustain life. I've gone to church where I didn't think it was spectacular or amazing. But you know why I went? Because I was going to get some spiritual sustenance and some nourishment. And it was going to sustain my life just as, as those meals. You know, not every meal is a banquet. I don't think I can handle a banquet at every meal. It's too much. It's too rich. It's just, it's overwhelming. And it, and it wouldn't be, I like Thanksgiving and I like Christmas and I like those special meals at Easter. But I can't have Easter every Sunday. I don't think I could fit on the platform if we did. 
Well, I got some of you to grin at that one. <laughs> amen, amen. Bringing down strongholds. Amen. Let's pray right now. Lord Jesus, this Bible study was given to encourage us to grow in you. And there are areas in our life that we've allowed things to grow out of control. We've allowed bricks to be placed and it's a barrier now and it's holding us back in our relationships and holding us back from being used by you and holding us back to the places that we want to go in your spiritual walk. I pray right now that we would start to dismantle and cast down those strongholds that have been built in our lives and our minds and our hearts over a period of years and that we would submit to you, Lord, that your spirit would come in like a flood and it would wash us and cleanse us and purify us and make us new, Lord, new creations in Christ Jesus. I thank you, Savior, for your blessings right now. I thank you for your anointing on our hearts. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. Amen. I know it's Wednesday night, but if you have an opportunity, we can baptize you in Jesus' name on a Wednesday night. Amen. Amen. Would you stand to your feet as Sister Carmela sings right now?